Today on Your Wellness, we'll be talking about the importance of workplace safety and the impact it can have on the entire family. All that and more is coming up on Your Wellness. Welcome back to the show. I'd like to introduce my first guest, Joanne Wade. Joanne, thank you for coming to the show with us. You're welcome. Now, you have a very personal story, and I'd like you to share with us. Yes. Uh, my son, Brent Wade, uh, he was killed on November 9, 1999, and he was uh, 22 years of age at that point in time. Uh, he was uh, actually a very uh, charismatic-type person, lived his life to the fullest, loved life, loved his family had one of the magnanimous type smiles that just sort of touched your heart whenever you met him. And uh, that day he was uh, working in Acton, Ontario and he was uh, driving a dump truck. He was a, had a mechanical uh, background and so he was working for a construction company. So that day on November 9th he was driving a fully loaded dump truck coming out of the pit at Acton and it was a back road and when he come out uh, there was no bars in place and when he come out fully loaded he had to go up a grade and there was uh, a lot of thick brush to the right which obscured his vision it was a very bright sunny morning and he didn't see the train he didn't hear the train and a report had it one of the reports said that he wouldn't have seen the train up only about a, a second before he was hit and the ironic part about all of this is that there had been close calls before and there I don't know whether this is true or not someone mentioned that there had been a death in the 80s but that I'm not sure about I do know that there had been a number of close calls at this crossing prior to his death and so I was very adamant about trying to increase awareness of the importance of bars. I was interviewed by two of the newspapers in the Guelph area and also I made uh, contact a number of times with the mayor of Acton and she assured me she was working on the bars, getting those bars in place. However, on September 28th, 2000, there were three young teenage boys on their way to school, ages 16 and 17 they didn't see the train same time of morning same sunny type of day and now there are four crosses and now there are bars in place that's a devastating story was there anything and as, as much as we don't like to look back is there anything that could have been done as a worker to protect himself in that situation well I've thought about that many times because of the fact that each of us has a, a our responsibility for our own health and safety and that of others of course um, so I have thought about that uh, but I think that um, I'm not I'm not sure whether they could have because there was nothing wrong with the truck okay and it, it only takes one second one second of distraction mm -hmm. which can mean the difference between life or death or the loss of a limb so 
I mean, we don't know uh, how the sun was hitting the mirrors, how anything like that. I mean, they did the actual positioning someone his size into a similar truck and trying to reenact, but I really don't think you can ever reenact uh, it completely because, right. and he, he was actually, uh, that was Tuesday he was killed and on Friday he was coming home bringing his new girlfriend home to visit and meet us because and he couldn't wait for us to meet his new girlfriend because he he said mom I think this is the one and he had called and he wanted me to he wanted to know how to uh, to get a, a credit rating because he w they were starting to plan for the future mm -hmm. so and how much money he had saved this week and so he was all excited about this new life that he was about to uh, experience you know and so it was just so sad and we met her at his funeral so this loss has impacted your family extremely oh, tremendously now tremendously. so I'm sure you don't want another family to have to go through this because it's a huge actually loss. when I got home from work on September 28 2000 mm -hmm. I just got in the door from working I'm a registered nurse I just got in from doing home care nursing and the phone was ringing I ran to get the phone and this reporter on the other line said, are you uh, uh, Joanne Wade, the mother of Brent Wade that was killed at such and such a track in Acton? And I said, yes. Well, how do you feel uh, about these three boys that were killed this morning? Well, I just burst into tears and I felt uh, almost the same, like a similar hysteria feeling coming over me because I felt what those mothers and fathers mm -hmm. were going to go through, right, that were going through at that moment in time. And believe you me, it is one journey that nobody ever wants to be on. And whatever I can do to, to prevent that, I will, because nobody asks for this. And uh, your, your, whole, your whole life is changed. I'm not the same person, and I, I didn't even realize how much I had changed until in 2006, I was at one of my Threads for Life uh, sessions. We were having a speaking, a speaking bureau training, and one of the young girls had just spoke at, uh, before noon, and she was telling about her father and brother being killed. And I introduced her to my daughter, Laura, uh, who had just come from Hamilton. And so the young lady said, I wish, uh, you know, she said, my mother died the same day my dad and brother died. I lost her the same day. And Melora said, I have to say that I told my, my husband, I wish you could have known my, my mother before my brother was killed. So I didn't even realize that change. I mean, our whole essence has changed. Mm -hmm. You lose a purpose. You lose, you're always questioning why and what's life all about. And you lose hope. You're helpless. Uh, it's, it's just a whole gamut of emotions that people go through. And, and it's a struggle to get yourself back. Well, you're now able to speak about your, about your loss. Yes. And you do some work with Threads of Life. You mentioned the Threads of Life. Yes. How has that helped you cope? Oh. That organization has been uh, my my hope. They've given me the hope. They've been they've given me my new norm because okay. your life has changed. And and the reason why that is is because they become your extended family. You're with people that are, have experienced loss, uh, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a limb, uh, the loss of your health by a uh, lifelong il injury or by occupational disease. We've had people there that have died, uh, been with us for five years and died. Uh, so we are family and that 
it, it has given me the hope and the courage and the support because even your own family, like sisters, brothers, they can't get it because they're not there. Okay. These people are there. And by speaking and by telling our story, mm -hmm. that is validating. It's honoring my son, but it's validating his life and his death. And I do not want my son's death to be for nothing. Well, I don't think it's going to be for nothing, Joanne. I'm so glad that you're here to share your story and that Threads of Life that are supporting your journey as you are healing. And we do need to talk about worker safety so that no other mother goes through what you did. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. Now, I just wondered, I just wanted to say one thing mm -hmm. because um, this is very important to me. Uh, the, the essence of my story is that everyone must pay heed to the severity and the seriousness of the almost, the, the near misses, because it, mm. it is those near misses and those almost that caused my son okay. to die, because nobody paid heed. And it should not take the life of three or four people. It should, mm -hmm. shouldn't even be the life of one person. Right. So we got to pay so attention to those near that misses. That is my message. Okay. Let's take, take those near misses and do something about it. Absolutely. Report them, follow through, make sure they're being looked after. Okay. And each of us is responsible for our own health and safety, but that of others. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing your story. You're welcome. After the break, we'll meet Norm Rivard, who was injured on the job and now committed to supporting other injured workers. Next on Your Wellness. Welcome back to the show. I'd like to introduce my next guest, Norm Rivard. Thank you for coming to the show, Norm. Thanks for having me. Now, you are um, you have your own personal story as an injured worker, so let's start off with, uh, with your story. Yeah, I was uh, just a young fellow working in the mines. I had about 17 years experience in the mines at the time and living the dream, making all this bonus and living the life. And one day I, uh, I went on the ground and uh, it was a big water hole and I was doing uh, some hauling with the haulage trucks, hauling ore. And uh, I dropped a big chunk in a, a big uh, water hole. And uh, on the way back, I ran over the, the big chunk of ore. I didn't see it under the water and uh, kind of ejected me out of my seat. I had a seat belt, but it jarred my back. Mm. So I thought uh, I'd be okay. Then I went to go get another trip and I realized it was pretty serious. So I drove to the lunchroom and a couple of supervisors uh, kind of took care of me and brought me to surface and went to the hospital for x-rays and it turned out it was, uh, there was not much they could see in the x-rays. So I went home, ended up almost paralyzed for five days in bed. And then that's when I realized it was not good, hoping to recover. And mm -hmm. It was 21 years later, I'm still not recovered. But So really shortly after that, you, you thought you were paralyzed for those five days, and that must have been scary. Yes. How did that impact your life following those days? It was, uh, it was terrible for many years trying to recover, physio and uh, the loss of earnings and uh, <clears throat> the things you do with your family and, you know, 
we like Christmas is coming up and we rent camps in Montreal and with my wife's family and I always say I'll babysit the camp while they're all gone on the ski hill you know you couldn't do the things you were able to do before no I lost out on many many things bowling golfing uh, you know playing with the kids at home it was do you remember how old your kids were back then when that happened? Were they uh, teenagers? I, yeah, they were teenagers, early high school. So you're enjoying times with them? Yes, yes. Uh, was there anything that you think you could, have, you could have done as a worker to have prevented it or maybe made a, made a change in that, how that day played out? I, I struggle with that one because uh, there was three injuries in, within that water hole and we have all the rights to refuse unsafe work. I could have probably refused to to haul at the time, do it for money, mm -hmm. and you know we're all on bonus. And uh, I was uh, I didn't really want to stop and uh, correct the situation. And the bad luck was that the chunk fell and I didn't see it. Okay. The first problem was that there was a water hole, so could have been corrected it was corrected after okay but it's too bad that we have to to correct things after somebody gets hurt is there a saying like stop and correct if you see something is that something that you could yes we could talk about later yes stop and correct and uh, the, the the biggest problem there is you know you're under pressure and mm -hmm. you want to make the bonus and and to stop and correct, it was very costly to correct that water hole. So they had to drill another hole and stop the haulage for, so it could have been corrected. Would it have been, would it have been worth it? Obviously it would have been worth it. 400%. Yeah, 400%. Yes. So how did you recover yourself? So you, you mentioned that it was a very difficult experience and you're still struggling. What are you doing to help yourself heal in a way that you could at least have some enjoyment in life? I, uh, I went through a lot of physio and uh, I learned to, uh, I learned to try to think positive and the biggest thing was to know when to stop. When it hurts, when to stop. I used to go over and do a little more than okay. I'd suffer for. Uh, the bottom line now is it's the only way to to live a, a decent life would, if I got certain pains, mm -hmm. I don't do nothing okay. at that time. So you know your injury better now? Yes. You can be a little more proactive? Yes. Hurt. And I was told by many people that that's what I had to do, but it's very hard because the day you feel good. Okay. You do a little more, right? And you you pay for it. Okay. Yes. Now you're taking your experiencing and you're bringing it back to the workers that are injured. You're very passionate about supporting those. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and how you're using that experience too. Yes, Move when forward. I recovered enough to go back to work, I joined the union and I said I would make a difference. And uh, through the the years, I ended up. Uh, running for a position, it's financial secretary for the steel workers and uh, what, uh, what part of that job is to be on the placement committee mm -hmm. and the company has their reps and when somebody gets hurt in the plateau, we, uh, we help accommodate them and put them on suitable work and try to make their day uh, fair for them. Are you finding that rewarding? 
It's it's rewarding. It's stressful. Okay. Because sometimes I feel like I I'm reliving it. Oh, okay. But it's very very rewarding. That's good. Now you have a lot of experience, and you have two boys at home. Or a girl and a boy. A girl and a boy. What would you tell them as young workers to help them stay safe, or to help to remind them to advocate for their own health and safety? They're they're. Uh, they're actually uh, older, they're 35, 36. So okay. They, uh, one of them's the superintendent of the mines now. Okay. So not the mines, but the maintenance. And my daughter has a good job, but I think they learn from watching their dad mm-hmm. is what could happen to them. And I hope they're preaching that at work too. So they know what happened to their dad, so hopefully they're... They're reminding careful. them they're careful. Yes, they second guess everything. And, you know. Would you agree that no job is worth your health? No or your job safety? is worth your health. No job is worth your health. No. How can we um, progress as a worker to spend every day mindful and saying, you know what, if I do see a hole that I know could cause me injuries, it's that stop and correct thing. Is that something that we should uh, be mindful of every day? Every day, yes, yes. You're not going to spot everything, okay. but I think if you see anything, that uh, that's the reason I accepted to come on the show, that if, if you see something, correct it. Okay. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. My income loss since I got injured is, it's not recuperable. Like, I'll never recoup that money, okay. and I have major income loss. Some people think compensation is so good. It's not so good. It's not. Well, thank you, Norm, for sharing your story. Um, Unfortunately, it was a tough lesson, but you're going to use that to help help others. Thank you so much, Norm. Thank you. It's time for us to take a quick break here in Your Wellness, and when we come back, we will meet Angèle Poitois, who is a community engagement specialist who has seen the evolution of the health and safety industry over the years. Come back. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show. I'd like to introduce my next guest, Angèle Poitois. Thank you for coming to the show, Angèle. Oh, Lisa, thanks for the invitation. I really appreciate it. Now, this is a really an interesting conversation. We're talking about health and safety and very important. How long have you been in the health and safety industry? And tell us why you're so passionate about I've been in the industry for a little over 16 years, and when you talk about passion, you, you just have to first, you know, say thank you to Norm and Joanne for sharing their personal mm-hmm. stories. Uh, it takes a really brave person to speak publicly about some of the things that they've gone through. So when you talk about my passion, my passion really comes from other people and uh, their stories and their experiences. Now you said 16 years. When what's evolved since you've been in the health and safety in the health and safety? I think one of the largest changes that we've seen in 16 years is we used to talk about lagging indicators. So how many people we hurt, rather than leading indicators, how many people can we prevent from being hurt at work? So when we talk about health and safety, we've kind of removed ourselves from just talking about the physical part of the safety, and now we're looking for leading indicators. We're talking about the culture 
culture of an organization, the psychosocial health of an organization, along with the physical health of the organization. So that's quite an evolution in a relatively small time frame of 16 years. Yeah, I guess you're right. And you're talking about a lot of different components of being health and safety, or being healthy and safe at work. It is. I mean, I, I can recall, um, you know, 15, 16 years ago having conversations that were outside of the realm of just physical health, and it was almost a very foreign topic. But when you think about it, we spend a lot of time at work, mm -hmm. and it is our second home. These are our second family members. Some of them, you know, you may like your second home better than your first home. <laughs> it's so possible. it's important to be safe and feel safe psychologically and physically. And when you talk about that in the realm of the words health and safety, it's mm -hmm. a mind, body, and soul. Absolutely. Right. Are there any stories that stand out with uh, with you when you are doing your work in the health and safety industry? There's a number of stories, and that's probably why I get up every day and I'm excited to work in the field of health and safety. I think from a perspective of young workers who I've done some work with, uh, there's been many, but I think the most powerful stories have been from mothers like Joanne Wade. Mm -hmm. um, I've unfortunately met too many mothers, and as a mother of five children, those of the the ones that have the impact with you they stay with you and like Joanne shared with you earlier right it's not a journey that you want anyone else to go on um, I just shared a story with some students not long ago how we still need help in our industry the health and safety world because we're still hurting people mm -hmm. and we're still killing people right and uh, you know Lisa you and I know each other from Toastmasters and one of the first presentations I gave at Toastmasters I had the lights turned off in a room it was pitch black and I had everybody closed their eyes and I asked them to picture a school bus and this was probably 14 years ago and I said do you see the school bus and they said yes we see it and I said do you see the children waving and so people were saying yes we see them waving and they're fighting and they're throwing their books and their soiled lunch bags and and then I just went and I said open your eyes and everybody opened their eyes and the room was so dark they couldn't see each other and I just said to them that is how many children of yours we've either hurt or killed today on the job so that was a profound moment because people came up to me and said, you must have made that up. It can't possibly be true. So we are hurting too many. One is too many. One is too many. And like Norm talks, it's the quality of life after you, you know, you may not have been killed, but if you're critically injured mm -hmm. and it changes your scope of life, I mean, you know, Norm was telling me stories of people whose lives are profoundly changed. And I had a CEO who told me, you know, we may never get to zero, that magic number, no injury, no illnesses, no deaths. But if we can get to a point when we're sending our men and our women home and they're still able to play with their children, that's pretty close to zero. That's a good day. Right? And Norm talked about that too, the impact of you know, not being able to play with his kids. Now what can uh, you do or what can we do as a society to inspire our young workers to make health and safety? got to change Important. conversation, Lisa, like we're doing here today. We've got to take it out of our boardrooms, out of our safety talks, out of our huddles, mm -hmm. and we have to bring it to the dining room tables, and we've got to bring it to the social events. We have to start talking about it like it's second nature. Much you think about mothers against drunk driving, you talk about the people who banded together to get child car seats, right? Helmets for children. When I buy my grandchildren their first bike, we're buying the helmet before we're buying the bike, right? Because we talk about it. 
-hmm. it's been socialized. So now at Workplace Safety North, that is our next focus for our next strategic plan as we go forward in the next five years, is talking about socializing safety. Nao, you said talk. You mentioned talking at the kitchen table, the yeah. dining room table. And a lot of kids, summertime comes, and they want to get a summertime job, and they want to make sure they're making money for the summer. Maybe they're going back to school. Yep. How do we make that not the number one goal, is to get a job, to make the money? How do we make Well, safety? there's been a recent study, and as a mother of five, I'm still struggling with this being true, but apparently it is. The statistics okay. prove it. Uh, parents are very influential when it comes to our children. Uh, we thought it was reverse. We thought it would be employers or, say, school teachers, but the literature states that it's parents. So as parents, we have a responsibility. When your son or daughter comes home at 15 and says has, they have their first job, okay. uh, we typically ask questions like, oh, that's great. How much are you making an hour? Mm -hmm. Do you have the long weekend off because it's Aunt Sally's 100th birthday and we got to go? Yeah. We're going to be disowned from the family. Those are the questions we ask. And internally, we're thinking, thank goodness, we no longer have to be a Pez dispenser for cash, right? But what we need to be saying is who's training you? What are the hazards on the job? Are, how are you being mentored? Who's coaching you? And I was sharing with some of your guests earlier, um, just a month ago, my nephew, a young worker, had his finger amputated second week on the job hmm. so it, it's about having the conversations at home at the dining room table with okay. our children um, before they go off to work and I went so far as with my son when he went to his first job I told him if you feel unsafe and they won't fix the problem you quit right then and there and I will pay your wage until you find a new job hmm. Yeah, well, he thought he could use that as an excuse not to work, but that didn't last long, right? <laughs> you wanted your son to come home safe. I wanted him to come home safe, and I, I was willing to put my money on the table to protect him. So I, I think we sometimes have to go that far to get the messaging mm -hmm. to our children how important it is to be safe. Well, that's a fantastic message, Angel, and I'm glad you're here to share your expertise with us, and hopefully we're going to have some, some lives saved or some injuries prevented from this conversation. Thank well, you. Well, thanks, Lisa. Well, that's all the time we have on your wellness this week. I'd like to thank my guests, Joanne Wade, Norm Rivard, and Angel Portois for sharing their passionate stories of health and safety. For more information on today's show, you can visit my website at newdaywellness.ca. Thank you for making wellness a priority, and we'll see you next week on Your Wellness.